0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. It's a privilege to be here with you today. I'm so glad I get to join you in service. And like Jimmy said, he was my youth pastor um, when I was younger. Um, It was a privilege to know him. But to see somebody who made a choice to be completely sold out to God is, is rare in my life. To see somebody just give it all over and let God take control. And that was the example that Jimmy was for me. He showed me what that looks like. And that's a real thing in this world, that you can do that, be sold out to Jesus and live for him. So I'm very thankful for you and your testimony as well. Well, I'm going to tell you a story today. And I'm going to talk a little bit about myself and a little bit about my family and some other things. But really this story... Just lost. There we go. My story today that I'm sharing with you is about a God who is who He says He is and who does what He says He will do every single time. So that's the story you're going to hear today. Um, I have a young daughter who ran up to me one time at church and said, hey, mom, can my friend spend the night? And I said, sure. And she said, do you promise? And I said, sure, babe. And she said, your promise or my promise? And I was confused because to me, a promise is a promise, right? She said, no, mom, it is not. When I promise, that means I'm gonna try, but I can't drive the car, I don't have the money for dinner, and I don't make our schedule. So if I promise, it means we'll, we'll see. But when you promise, Mom, you drive the car, you make the schedule, and you have the money for dinner. So if you say, I promise, then it's really going to happen. And when she said that, I began to think, how am I looking at the promises of God? Am I looking at them like maybe that'll happen and maybe it won't? Or am I looking at his promises like the God of the universe, Almighty God, has made me a promise and he has every resource available to keep it? So I started looking at my life and the promises that God has fulfilled in my life. First and foremost, of course, He promised to save my soul, and He's done that. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know He's done that. But to be honest with you, I had a pretty easy life and a pretty easy upbringing to a point. My dad was a pastor. If I needed something, my parents took care of it. And I didn't really have to trust the promises of God. I trusted the promises of my parents. And they were good parents. And I had a good childhood. When I was six years old, things began to change a little bit. We had lived in a small suburb where everyone looked like me, talked like me, went to the same church I went to, went to the same school I went to, and when I was six, we moved to Spencer, Oklahoma, a suburb of Oklahoma City, and no one looked like me, no one talked like me, we didn't all do the same things or live the same way, and I loved that, I loved the diversity, but it was a big change in my little life. When I was 11, my mother went to bed one day and didn't get out of bed for about five years. She was very ill and no one knew why. We went to many, many doctors. No one had an answer. No one had any suggestions for how to help her. So I began to read medical journals because I was gonna figure this out. I borrowed them from friends at school who had parents in the medical field. I checked them out of the library. Anywhere I could get a medical journal, I read all about it for years. I read that all through middle school and junior high weird habit for an 11-year-old, right? When I was 14, uh, Jimmy took our youth group to a Christian concert, and the singer was talking about how his family was going to adopt a child. And I thought, wow, that is so cool. Very cool. And I thought, nothing more of it. The next day, I got a magazine in the mail, and the cover story was about a teenage girl who had been adopted. And I thought, wow, what a coincidence. Adoption, two days in a row. And then I went to church on Sunday, and we had a guest speaker, and you guessed it, he preached all about adoption. So I knew it wasn't a coincidence. God was speaking to my heart. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to stop wearing makeup and move to a foreign country and build an orphanage, because that's what I thought adoption was. (laughs) That's what it looked like in my mind. But I stand here 26 years later saying that I've adopted three of the 16 children that have been in my home through foster care, They are all medically fragile, and no one would take them into their homes because it was hard to understand the complexity of their conditions. But not for me, because I read medical journals for years and years and years, and I knew exactly what it said on their papers. And none of my children look like me, come from the same background I come from, or anything, but that's no big deal because I grew up in a very diverse community, and that seems completely normal to me. And my point is, as I think of those things, Romans 8.28 comes to my mind, the promise God makes us there. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Even the tiny things like a magazine in the mail and moving to a different community and a sick mom, he uses it all for our good. So my husband and I, when I got married, we decided, yeah, we're going to adopt. Yeah, that's definitely us. We're going to do that. And so we went to the foster care agency and sat down, and we were like, okay, listen, no babies. Everybody wants a baby. We're not going to be those people, no babies. And a lady sat down next to me and said, hey, are you adopting? You should adopt her and put a baby in my lap. She had tubes and machines. I think you've got a picture that you can see of her. Tubes and machines everywhere. Um, they told us she wouldn't do much more than she was doing right then at that age and that size. Um, we didn't care. So we asked if we could bring her into our home, and they said yes. She was not adoptable at that time. We waited about a year before she became adoptable. And if you've ever known anyone who's gone through the foster care system or adoption, before they let you adopt the child, they do this thing called disclosure. And they show up at your house with a piece, a stack of paper with everything they know about that child on it. For our daughter, it was 1,100 pages of information. For our son, it was 2,900 pages of information. And the worker sat down and began to tell us all the reasons why we would not want this child. She's never going to walk. She's never going to talk. Deprived of oxygen multiple times. Never be able to care or feed for herself. One pound, 13 ounces at birth. Born 15 weeks early. They might as well have just said, don't expect too much. And the worker kept looking at my face, waiting for me to say, you're right, I've changed my mind. And I looked her right in the eye and said, this is my daughter. Where do I sign? And the Holy Spirit whispered, hey, Mindy, that's you. On paper, no one would pick you. You're a mess. You've got sin all over the place. There's so much wrong. We can never list it all. But you're my daughter, and I love you. And Jeremiah one three says, The Lord appeared from afar saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I've drawn you with my loving kindness. So we signed on the dotted line, and she became our daughter. And she walked, and she talked, and she's 11 now, and you'd never know that she ever had a struggle in her life. When she was three, we went to a checkup, and her doctor couldn't believe everything she was able to do. She said, "Amira." You are amazing. You shouldn't be able to do all of these things. And Amira said, No, God is amazing. So there are miracles happening at my house at this point. So we think, Yes, let's do that again. We can go find another child and bring them into our home. So we applied for another child. And just before they came, the adoption fell through. And then the next adoption fell through. And then the next one. And the next one And the next one. And our sixth adoption fell through the same week my mother passed away at the age of 55 from an eight year battle with dementia. And so I sat down and I said, Lord, it's okay. We've seen miracles. You've done miracles here, but maybe you just only get so many. And maybe this is all we get. And that's okay. That's okay but I'm not gonna try to adopt any more children. Foster children can come and live with us, but no more, no more of this, God. So my husband and I got recertified to be foster parents. And as we were leaving the office, the foster care director said, listen guys, I know you're foster only. I know you're not adopting, but there's this little boy and I really think you should meet him. He's got a lot going on, but I think you should meet him. But here's the deal. He's not foster. He's adoption only. So we said, let's pray about it. And we did. And we agreed to go and meet this little boy. We walked inside to a very busy foster home. There were six children, lots of dogs and cats, lots of activity. And so little five-year-old Amira, my daughter, I said, stay close to me, Amira. And the foster father's face went completely pale, and he ran from the room. And I thought... It usually takes a little longer before I've offended someone. <laughs> it's not usually quite so soon. But he came back and he held up a picture and, and said, Did you say Amira? And he had a picture of my daughter taken shortly after she was born. See, this family had been called to take Amira in, and they couldn't do it. Their own child was very ill at the time. So they took her picture, and they sang over her, and they prayed over her. And for the last five years, they'd been praying that God would put her where he had good plans for her. And here I come with little Amira that they have prayed for five years. See, sometimes our obedience is the answer to somebody else's prayer. So... We met the little boy, and I thought, there's no way. This is even too much for me. There's no way. And so we got in the car, and I was going to turn to my husband to say, I think, I think we should say no. And little Amira in the back seat said, so when are we bringing my brother home? <laughs> so one month later, little Hudson, who we have a picture of, came to live with us. Now, I will not lie to you, it was very hard. Hudson has 23 current diagnoses. He's had 23 surgeries up to this point. We averaged 12 appointments a week, plus seven hours of therapy just for him at that point. But we were really cooking. I mean, we knew we were doing the thing that God wanted us to do we were happy, we were making it work, and God was speaking a scripture to me multiple times. It would be in songs I would hear, it would be in sermons at church, it would be in devotions that I read, it was everywhere. And it was Psalm 103, 22. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And I thought, yes, all his works, in all places of his his dominion. Um, But... I didn't really know what that meant until one day we found ourselves in a hospital room. Hudson was very sick. He had a tumor the size of my fist for the second time in his throat. He could hardly breathe or swallow. And there was an infection that was causing the tumor to grow. They said, we don't know if it'll work or not, but there is one medication, but you'll never get approval to get it. It costs $5,000 a dose. They'll never approve it, and it might not work even if they did. And while we were there, my daughter went to the ER for I don't even know how many times that week. She had the flu so badly that she would go to the ER and get an IV, and it would help her feel better for about an hour, and then she was violently ill all over again. No one could seem to figure it out. I myself had vertigo so bad that I had to hang on to the walls of the room when I walked. I couldn't drive a car or pick up my children could hardly see because my doctor had given me medication to treat the vertigo and I had a massive allergic reaction to the medicine. So while we're sitting in that room with all of those things going on, my husband gets an email. And it says, "We're downsizing in your department and you're the last one in. So, many of you will be losing your jobs this week." Now, we had already been worried about my husband's job because he has a progressive eye disease and it was getting worse. And there's only one treatment, and it was experimental, and insurance would definitely not pay for that, even if we decided to go ahead with the experimental treatment. As we finished discussing the email, my phone rang. It was my grandmother. She was next door at the adult hospital. And she said, I'm ready for you to sell my house, pack up my things, and move me into an assisted living center, and it's fine because they said I could stay here three more days, so you have three days. Now remember, at this point, my mom had not been gone very long, and I was just about to have time to sit down and grieve her. I missed my mom. Who doesn't want their mom when their life is falling apart? And they would love a little advice and a little comfort for mom, so I was really grieving her. My phone rang again, and it was the adoption agency. See, Hudson wasn't adopted yet. And the adoption agency said, "'We're sorry.'" but we lost our contract with the state. So if you don't adopt him by the end of the month, then you're gonna to have to start all over again, and we're not even sure that he can stay with you. We may have to move him. So I turned to tell that news to my husband, and his phone rang. His father had had an accident in Hutchinson, Kansas. We didn't know how he was doing, but he had driven his car through the Burger King there, and my husband was trying to gather information. So as I stood up, and put my hands on the wall with my vertigo to make it from my son's hospital room to my grandmother's hospital room next door and back. I passed the little chapel at the bottom of the children's hospital and I went inside and I sat down and I said, it's too much, God. You know me, I'll do anything. I'll do anything you want me to do, but this is too much. I can't do this. And the Holy Spirit said, hey, remember that verse we've been working on? Psalm 103, 22? You remember what that says? Yes, Lord, it says, bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Well, what do you think that means? That means, that means you're my all in all. That's what that means. Well, then try me. So I began to call out my worries and my concerns. Lord, they're telling us there's no hope for Hudson, God. I don't know what to do. They're saying there's no hope. And Psalm 71.5 came to my mind. I am your hope, your Lord and your God. I have been your confidence from your youth. Okay, okay, you're my hope. But I'm so worried about Amira. They're trying to help her and nothing is working. I'm so worried And Psalm 94, 19 came to mind. When my anxious thoughts are multiplying within me, God's consolations are my delight. Okay, you're my hope and you're my delight. But Lord, look at me. I can't even walk across the room. I'm so sick and I'm so weak. I am literally shaking. Psalm 28, 8. The Lord is your strength. He's your saving defense. And Psalm 62 two, he is my rock and my salvation. I will not be greatly shaken. Okay, Lord, but what about Jeff's job in his eyes? What are we going to do if he loses his job? He's our provider, God. Psalm 40, 17, when I was afflicted and needy, the Lord was mindful of me. He is my help, my deliverer, my provider, and he will not delay. Okay, okay, Lord, but what about my grandma, Lord? I don't know how to pack up somebody's life and sell their home and move them into an assisted living center. I have no idea how to do that. I lack the expertise and the knowledge to know what to do. Psalm sixteen seven, I will bless the Lord because he counseled me. He even instructs my mind in the night. And we all know Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Okay, okay, Lord, I hear you, but Lord, I miss my mom. I could really use her right now, and her wisdom, I really miss her. Psalm one forty seven three. he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Okay. But Lord, you know, you know it will break my heart if they take Hudson. I have no rest and no peace at the thought of them taking that child from me. I have no rest and no peace. And John 14, 27 came to my mind. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not like the world does. Don't let your heart be troubled and don't be fearful. In Isaiah 26, 12, Lord, he establishes our peace for us since he has performed for us all of our works. And as I sat there, knowing there was nothing I could do, about any of those situations, I said to the Lord, okay, I will believe you. And I stood up and I made my way back to my son's hospital room holding the walls. And as I walked inside, a nurse followed me in and said, well, in the 15 years I've been here, I've never seen it. But they just approved that medicine for your son. That $5,000 a dose medicine, they approved it. So my son received 15 doses of that medication, and they did surgery to remove his tumor, and it never came back again. My daughter went to the ER one more time, and it just so happened that the man who made the IVs at the children's hospital was in the ER at the same time. He saw my daughter and he said, I have an idea. And he went back and made a specific one for her, and it worked. She got better and never had to go back to the ER. And a little side note, I got to meet that gentleman a few years ago. I was speaking at a church telling that story and a man in the back row was crying and it was him. And he never knew if she lived or not, but he knew that's what God told him to do for her. So she got better. I was still feeling pretty terrible, but my doctor realized I had seven very large tumors in my body pressing on various nerves, and it was causing my vertigo. They took the tumors out, I've never had an instance of vertigo ever again. My husband was the one person in his department who did not lose his job, and we decided we would try that experimental surgery to see if it would help his eyes and the FDA approved it the day before my Hudson's surgery, my husband's surgery, and our insurance paid every single penny. I did sell my grandma's house, pack up her stuff, and move her into an assisted living center in three days because the Lord was gracious and brought some friends and family along who helped me and were wise, but we did accomplish it in three days. Our adoption agency did close on June 30th of that year, but on June 28th, our adoption was final of our son with two days' despair. And my husband finally got a hold of his father and got all the information. His dad was in good condition, and Burger King did not press charges. <laughs> See, it's really true. When he says he's our all in all, he means it. And I need him as much today as I did on that day. But on that day, he was gracious and merciful, and he let me see my need in a brand new way, and I will never forget that he is my all in all. But if I'm being honest with you, I was still really grieving my mother. I hadn't had time to sit down with everything going on and just really miss her and grieve her. So I'd been given one of her Bibles and many of her prayer journals when she passed away, And I thought, I'm gonna go flip through her Bible and see where she's taking notes, what meant something to her, and that's gonna be a comfort to me. So that's what I'm gonna do. And I flipped open her Bible, and it fell open to Genesis 37 and 39. There was a bulletin stuck in her Bible, and I knew from the date, that was probably the very last time she was able to read and take notes for herself before her dementia just got too bad. So I noticed in the margin, in the part where it's Joseph's story, and he had been separated from his family and sold into slavery. She'd kind of circled that part. And the part where he went to jail uh, and where he was forgotten in jail, she had circled those, but then she'd underlined a little something, and then she'd written something in the margin. And in the margin it said, he never leaves you, he never forsakes you. And I thought, that's not in this passage of Scripture. I'm, I'm a little confused. So I looked to see what she had marked, especially in those passages. And every time Joseph had something Bad happened again. It said, the Lord was with him and the Lord blessed him. So I started thinking about all the years of infertility and miscarriage that my husband and I went through and how that was the darkest time of my life. And I didn't know if we would come out on the other side of that. But the Lord was with us and the Lord blessed us. And we've adopted beautiful children. I think we have a family picture you can see but the Lord did miracles in our lives. Then I thought about my children and their 28 surgeries and all their medical conditions and how hard their lives are, the challenges they go through, the therapies, all the extra things they have to do just to live like the rest of us live without a thought. But the Lord is with them and the Lord has blessed them. And we have seen miracle after miracle after miracle in their lives. And then I thought about the time when on my son's third birthday, my husband did lose his job very suddenly with no warning. And before I could even pick up the phone to whine or complain or call a friend to pray, a friend called me and said, we were given a gift card for groceries and we don't shop at that store, so would you like it? And then someone from our church called and said, your family won the contest. You have dinner out for the whole family and a night of bowling. And another friend called, who I had loaned a good sum of money to years before and forgotten about, called and said, you know that money you loaned us? Can I come by with a check? I'm ready to pay that back today. And then Domino's Pizza called us and said, in our record, it says we really messed up a while back with you guys. We, we really want to make that right. Can we send you two pizzas, a brownie, a salad, breadsticks, and a two liter for dinner tonight? Because the Lord is with us. And the lord blesses us and then i thought about my mom who developed dementia at 47 and had an eight year long struggle with that and i thought about my dad who cared for her lovingly all that time and how hard that was and how i wouldn't wish that on anyone but the lord was with them and the lord blessed them god's people surrounded them and took care of them and loved them in brand new ways My dad wrote devotions that have blessed hundreds of people. We have compassion for others in our family that we never had before, and a trust in God that you can't get any other way. And once when my mom had long lost the ability to speak, my dad was taking her to the doctor, and they stopped at a stop sign. And my mother, who probably hadn't spoken in almost two years, said, Stop and tell the story of what the Lord has done for you. Because he doesn't leave you, and he doesn't forsake you. The Lord is with you, and he wants to bless you. So as I finished reading that passage in my mom's Bible, I wondered what she had written in her corresponding prayer journal for that day. So I flipped through her journal to that date, and this is what she wrote. Lord, I've been so concerned with my mind and my ability to think clearly lately, but today I realize that's just another gift from you. I know that you will do what is best because you have promised to work all things for my good. You've promised to love me with an everlasting love. You have promised to be my all in all, and you have promised to never leave me and never forsake me. Knowing and experiencing you, God, is worth any hardship that enters my life. So I stand here today and say, I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what challenge you're currently facing. I have no idea. But here's what I know. Every single one of God's promises is true. And when we struggle, we are in the perfect position to watch and prove it. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. We know you have good plans for us, God, but sometimes life is just so hard. So I ask that you would remind us today that you make promises because you intend to keep them, God. Change our hearts and minds toward believing that you mean what you say and you are who you say you are, God. Help us to remember that and to live like we believe it, God. Touch our hearts. Let this stay with us, God. Don't let us forget you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.